Look at my butt. Show 216 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK talk Trek. And we are live. We are live. Yay. We have, we have liftoff. Woo. <laughs> Well, we have so much Bill stuff to talk about. But first, we did want to mention that we have bought our tickets for <laughs> Silicon Valley Comic Con. Um, the The story of the buying of the tickets was that there was a slight panic because Steve Wozniak, in an interview, seemed to imply that it was sold out. Yeah. But it's not sold out. Um, plenty of tickets left, and we bought them, and so we're happy. We have tickets for Saturday, and we might end up picking up tickets for Friday as well. You know, I looked at the website just to see if Bill was listed for any particular panels, mm-hmm. and he's, he's not. There's a lot of other stuff happening, but Bill doesn't have a schedule put up yet for when he's going to be there, aside from, like, just Saturday, which right. everybody's going to be there on Saturday. Right. Um, so I don't know if he's doing any other thing. He it looks like he's doing photo ops on uh, maybe just Saturday, and he's doing autographs on Friday and Saturday. Oh, so he might be doing his appearance on Friday? It's it's not clear. The website does not have oh. a lot of information. Okay. Mm, okay. But I, I mean, I think he that's must unusual be doing... for Bill to stay over at a con, isn't it, it? It really is, unless he's just doing like signatures at the end of the day on Friday, just for a couple hours, and then he's planning on doing all of his stuff on Saturday. That could his be. his stunts, his stunts, <laughs> yeah. His in-person craziness. Yes. Okay. Well, and we're hoping to see a lot of our Bay Area fans and friends. You know, the party will be Saturday night, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. And uh, it we'll, will be fun. we'll be raring to go. It will be fun. Yes. So, so that's very exciting. And I know I haven't looked at the site lately, but I keep seeing little blurbs popping up here and there about other people who are going to be there. Yeah, they've been adding a ton of people um, at the last minute. Well, this is not really the last minute, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, they they suddenly have a whole lot of guests. You know, it was very canny of them, I think, to have Bill be the first major celebrity well, that they were putting. Yeah, and then starting to be like, oh, and then we have these people, and then we have these people. And than these people. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at it right now. The only think of who we, we might want to see. Well, Michael J. Fox will be there. Karen oh, Gillan. Oh, right. And um, and Doc Brown. Uh, right. For Lloyd, I believe right. is going to be there. Yes. Yep. And Stan Lee, uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, Leah Thompson, and Sean Astin. So it, it will be it will be very very busy. Oh. I, it's, you brought up Sean Aston, so I have to tell you this thing. It just made me laugh and laugh. It was one of those stupid um, Facebook things like, you know, tell us your favorite color and we'll tell you how old you are and that sort of stupid mm-hmm. stuff. But this one was, um, what is the movie of your life? And so I answered all the little questions. And then it told me the movie of my life was Lord of the Rings because, <laughs> wait, I like to get together with my friends and go on vacation. <laughs> and I'm going... That's that's what you think Lord of the Rings was about. Yeah, it was a little like road girls trip. weekend. Yeah, it was fun. It was just a fun, relaxing kind of you know. Let's go someplace we've never been before. Mom Doom, yay! Just to see what it's like. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, I'm looking at Bill's page at Silicon Valley Comic Con, and it says Mr. Shatner will be Woo. reflecting back on 50 years of Star Trek and hosting a Q and A session to talk about his career, past, present, and future. More details to follow. That's all it says. Okay. 
Well, with Bill, there's always more details to follow. And we also know no matter what it says, um, instead of reflecting on the past 50 years, he might be reflecting on the next 50 years or, you know, it could be anything. It could be anything. He could be talking about anything. And maybe he'll even say stuff we haven't heard him say before, because that would be good. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be amazing. It's true. Well, speaking of Bill reflecting on the past 50 years. Yes. uh, His book, Leonard, Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. now out. And um, I have seen at least three or four reviews of it, mm-hmm. generally very positive. Oh, good. And um, I did want to, to uh, let's see, share some of those, if I can figure out which of these many windows I have open <laughs> is uh, actually Bill talking about the book. There has just been tons and tons of, of stuff. Um, yeah, he's been very, very visible in the press recently because of the book. Because of his one-man show that's happening right now, mm-hmm. um, because of the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, and also because of lots of other things that are he's doing and promoting and shilling about. But it seems like every time I look in the newspaper online, like, there's Bill talking about another thing. Mm-hmm. Well, here's one. I had heard part of this story before, but I'd never heard the whole thing. Um, he says that... Um, you know, I think you probably knew this, that before Leonard got regular work as an actor on Star Trek, he drove a cab. And mm-hmm. at one point, he drove uh, John F. Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, when he was a young senator, of course. And uh, when when uh, he delivered him to the hotel, Kennedy stiffed him on the bill. <gasps> and so uh, the... Uh, in this article, it says beyond being just a great story, the idea the idea of a young JFK and the guy who played Mr. Spock chatting in a taxi cab together is the sort of thing that might form the premise of an off-off-Broadway play. It's the sort of anecdote that drives to the heart of a person, a telling detail that seemingly reveals everything about Nimoy. He chased Kennedy down. <gasps> really? Yes. Um, and uh, Shatner writes in his book, one thing about Leonard, when he did the work, he expected to be paid. And as I would learn, he was willing to fight for what he believed to be owed. That That is true. And yeah, it seems very much in character for yes. him to do that. Yeah, and in a, in a couple of the reviews that I read, they mentioned how uh, Bill talks about Leonard as a, a, a very driven person, which is not a, what I associated with him at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I see Bill very driven to what's the next job, what's the next thing, what's the next project. But apparently, you know, Leonard was exactly like that. And uh, so that was... Uh, very interesting. And uh, let's see, what else did they have to say? I mean, I, I think for anybody who really wanted to succeed as an actor, you have to be driven to a certain extent just to be out there and trying to get roles and, you know, yes, to make a career for yourself. And if you're not, you're not going to be that actor who does all of the different things and making those opportunities for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it talks about, you know, they're quote-unquote feud you know when Spock was getting more attention than Kirk from the fans and and uh though you know all of that so I guess Bill sort of rehashes that but I I imagine he sort of minimizes that because they did become very close friends but one of the things that came uh that came up that I had not heard, and now I've seen it reported several times because it's in the book is they had a falling out 
uh, a few months or a year or something before Leonard's death. That really? was That was never, they never reconciled. And what it was, um, one of the reviews I read gave a more detailed uh, thing of it, but um, Bill had asked him, Leonard, to mm-hmm. appear in The Captains. Mm-hmm. And Leonard said no. And Bill says, you know, he kind of thought Leonard was pulling his leg. But anyway, Leonard was then filmed without his permission. <gasps> And oh. uh, Bill says, you know, it's the kind of thing that falls through the cracks. And if, you know, if that was, I, I don't know if, see, from the reviews, you can't tell. Did Leonard specifically say to him, I'm angry about that and I'm not talking to you? Or if this is what Bill has, you know, figured out, why why wasn't the guy talking to me at all? Yeah. But it sounds like... Um, it says, uh, in in some sense, this book reads a bit like a posthumous apology or a eulogy never given. Wow! So uh, I'm really, really interested to to read it. He also talks apparently about their uh, different styles as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he says Leonard, you know, was um, a method actor who studied and who taught acting and all this. And Bill said I was more of the. Uh, learn my lines, show up and play the part <laughs> thing and how their, their different energy levels, you know, contributed to the, the Kirk and Spock and the chemistry thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, he, you know, he says Leonard had enormous energy. It's just, you know, coming through in, in different things in ways that were appropriate for that character. Yeah. So, um, it talks about Leonard's drinking mm-hmm. and how he, uh, was very concerned when Bill married Noreen, knowing mm-hmm. she was an alcoholic, and how he helped Bill deal with some of that. And uh, I just, so I'm, you know, we'll post links to these these reviews, and I bet you will find some others. But um, just just fantastic. Wow. Well, I'm really looking forward to reading that. Mm-hmm. That I'm I'm still kind of mulling over this whole thing about them having a falling out because. That wasn't anywhere in the press at all. No. Um, and here's one. This was a very long two-part interview. And the, the interviewer says, you candidly write about how the two of you lost touch a few years back. How hard was that to put down on paper and share with the world? And Bill says, it was very difficult. I played with the idea of not sharing it at all. But the story isn't complete until I talk about the tragedy of our losing touch. Hmm. So... You know, uh, you know, all the the reviewers are very aware that this is a a like a biography of the two of them, but told from only one person's perspective. And you and yeah. I had said we wish they had done this together before Leonard passed on. Yeah. But um, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Oh, I really want to read it, <laughs> especially yeah. that bit about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, in one of them, Bill talks about he's shy. And uh, yes. the interviewer goes, yeah. Uh, he says, really? Mm-hmm. You say, really, like you don't believe me. We don't not believe you. <laughs> We're just surprised. Well, what is shyness? Uncomfortable around people, not wanting to give too much of yourself. Sounds like me. Recoiling from attention. There you go. <laughs> Bill. But, you know, I could easily see that because uh, in uh, talk show appearances from years ago, Mm-hmm. He is very uncomfortable, and it wasn't until he sort of caught on to or developed this persona of mm-hmm. William Shatner that we see at the cons and that we see on, you know, everything that uh, 
that you you got this idea of wow he's a really out there wild and crazy guy he'll say anything mm-hmm. and it's really to to hide that he you know he's still he's still kind of shy i can see that and he still does not fully understand why all these people <laughs> are going insane. I, I think that's right. I think we talked about that a little bit when we were discussing the book that was written by uh, the groundskeeper dude for his, yes. his ranch. That he he very much portrayed Bill as a as a shy private individual. You know, mm-hmm. not not really outgoing, not really interested in meeting a lot of people who he didn't know who they were. Just kind of kept to himself. So that that is interesting. Um, I I skimmed I think the one that you were just quoting from, and I just have to say, talking about projects that Bill is doing, he's got a Christmas album. Gonna yes, come- Bill's gonna do a Christmas <laughs> album. I can't even imagine what it's gonna be like. Well, is Bill going to write new Christmas songs? I don't know. <laughs> It could be anything. You know, oh, yeah. This literally could be anything. It, it might be, um, you know, he took tapes of old Christmas songs and he cut them up into little pieces and threw it up in the air and then they're going to edit it all together in this sound collage of Christmas. It could yes, be that. It, it, could be, it could be that. But yeah, he's always, always busy, always doing things. Now, I learned something from one of these interviews. Um, there is this thing like going around where it's um star trek the concert have you heard about this yes i was going to mention that actually the okay. ultimate experience that's uh, what it's called yes yeah okay <laughs> um with the live orchestra and everything and i thought because sometimes they do things like this it was they were going to show one of the new crappy star trek movies and have a live orchestra doing the music mm-hmm. well it's not it's like they've put together some of those fan montages but i mean they made them and um and, you know, using the music from the original series and, and all the various movies. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would be really interesting. And I've seen it on Gold Star for cheap, so I should go because it's going to be here. It's the weekend of Silicon Valley Comic Con. Oh, seriously? That's yes. stupid. That was, that <laughs> and was stupid. I tell you, there are... There's something going on that weekend in New York I would be going to if it weren't for Comic-Con. There are several performances here I would be going on. It's like everything is converging that weekend. So, so you know, Comic-Con comes first. I know I got my priorities in order. But, uh, man... Yeah, so I Bill has been uh, promoting this also amongst the many, many things that he's been promoting. Um, so they've been doing this concept a lot for uh, some movies. They did it for Star Wars. They did it for Lord of the Rings where yeah. they show the clips and they do the music. It's been hugely successful as ah. a, dare we say, franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really cool that they decided to do it for Star Trek as well. Um, and at the website, which is called StarTrekUltimateVoyage.com, mm-hmm. they've got data in many, many, many cities, including um, doing it in Paris, apparently. Yeah. And it's it's going to be here in the Bay Area, too, um, in San Jose at the uh, beautiful theater that they have there. So, and, and it's not in just big places. It's not just sort of a, a bi-coastal thing. They're in, I'm looking at the list, in South Bend, Indiana, and mm-hmm. uh, Detroit, Michigan, and um, Grand Prairie, Texas. And Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, it's it's like everywhere that you could imagine it being. So it's cool. So Very it's cool. going to be the, the Grand Prairie, Texas Baptist Symphony Orchestra <laughs> playing. Oh, so I just have to say about the Christmas album. Um, yes. In one of the many interviews that I was skimming about Bill, here's something else he says about it. Um, 
the question that the person asked him was, is your creativity a point of pride? And Bill says, I don't consciously say, aren't I wonderful and I'm creative, but things occur to me that don't occur to anybody else around me. <laughs> yes. Because they can't get a word in, but uh, yeah. go ahead. Um, then I have the ability, because of this so-called celebrity, to sometimes do something about it. I just recently was asked to make a Christmas album, for example. Suddenly, the concept was in front of me. Of course, I'm not going to tell you the concept. It's simple enough, but nobody's done it yet, to my knowledge. I spoke the concept to the guy who was going to put money into it, and he said, I love it. Let's do it. So I will do a Christmas album for next Christmas based on this concept. Oh, so, boy. Yeah, right? So It's, it's going to be outer space Christmas or something, you know. I don't know. Yeah. It could be anything, as we yes. were just saying. Well, um, I want to read this little bit from how the the two part quote or two part interview ended. The interviewer says, "Let's go in another direction then to end our conversation. If you live to one hundred, what's left to do? Hmm. What have you not done yet that you're itching to try?" And Bill said. I will play an old man role with veracity, with absolute truthfulness. Imagine being 100 and playing a 100-year-old codger, but still being Randy. I can see me doing that. <laughs> yes, I could see him doing that too. Sure. Yes. So, uh, also one other little bit of uh, info he dropped in one of these interviews is that the uh, the Star Trek cruise is sold out. Oh, interesting. And they asked him, well, how do you feel about being on a cruise for whatever it is, five or seven days with all these Trekkies? Uh And he said, well, I have been assured we will have our own little areas where no one is allowed to go. (laughs) (laughs) That will be most of the ship. So. Oh my God. Okay. I have to mention, let's just get all this. Here's what Bill's doing stuff together. Oh, okay. Um, in this uh, interview, this was at the Buffalo News and it was basically to promote um, the one man show, but also mm-hmm. the, the 50 year thing. So he's doing um, the book that you we've just been discussing, Leonard, mm-hmm. My 50 Year Friendship with a Remarkable Man. Um, and he's doing the comic book that we talked about before and all this other stuff. He's written another book with, he's got a different collaborator now. And uh-huh. I, the premise of it made me laugh out loud. Okay. Okay. Um, the novel is called Zero G. It's a science, hard science fiction story, which means lots of technical stuff in it. And yes. the plot is about the FBI in space half a century from now. Okay. <laughs> Are they now called the the um the SFBI for the space, space FBI? You better call the space FBI in on this one. I I don't know, but I I could just imagine Bill coming up with this idea, right? You know. Right. What if it was about the FBI in space? <laughs> well, you know, he probably like under some strange circumstance met an FBI man oh, that's and true. asked him are you guys preparing to to be law enforcement in space mm-hmm. for when that's coming? And the guy probably went, uh, no. no. Oh, well, you should be. I'm going to write a book about it. You better read it. <laughs> FBI in space. FBI G. in space. Yep, that's so. Coming this fall, that, that book is coming out. I went to Amazon just to see if they had any more details, and they didn't. That's the only description I could find out and about it. Oh, oh, wait, G. but... This is even better. Um, the book was originally going to be called Zero G Men. 
But then they changed it to just zero G. Oh, but that's so cute. <laughs> I know, it is cute. Zero G, man. Oh, Bill loves a good pun. He, he loves a love bad a pun, pun, and that's a bad pun. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, there was, I, I listened to, uh, this was actually really good. And if you guys have some time, I totally encourage you to go listen to it. But it was a 45-minute interview with Bill that he did for The Hollywood Reporter. And I listened to it because the headline for it says, William Shatner is ready to return to Star Trek as an aged Captain Kirk. And that was kind of one line taken out of 45 minutes of him talking about yes. a lot of different stuff. It's a really good interview. The interviewer is very good and really guides the conversation. Although, of course, Bill starts out trying to interview the interviewer, which is good. Um, and he talks about all kinds of stuff. He talks about the book and things that he's done. He talks about his history and growing up. And it was, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and Bill seemed very, very comfortable with this guy. So I'll put the link up for it. But if you've got the time, I would suggest listening to it. But um, the interesting bits for me, I took a few notes on this, um, was uh, when the guy asked him, uh, what, if, what would you like people to think about you 50 years from now? And Bill said, 50 years from now, I would like people to think about, to say about me, I can't believe he's still alive. <laughs> Which was really good. Yes. Uh, that made me laugh. Um, and then the guy was saying, you know, and, and what is it about your life now that is, is important to you, is good about me? And Bill just was like, I love my life. My life is full of joy. Every day is wonderful because I'm happily married and I've got wonderful family. I've got all these opportunities. I'm gainfully employed, he said. <laughs> Still important to him even uh, now. Oh, yeah. Um, and he talked about the horses and he said, um, I ride competitively and I'm in the winning circle a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he had to mention that, that yes, I'm in the winning yes. circle a lot, which was good. And then he went and he just shilled for everything. So <laughs> it was it was really funny to, to hear him kind of wrap things up by talking about that. But he did say that he would come back as Captain Kirk if it was Captain Kirk the way Bill is now. You know, uh -huh. he, he wouldn't want to do any other version of the character. And he said in not so... Uh, subtle terms that he thinks it should be based on the books that he's written featuring Captain Kirk, the way he envisions Kirk, you know, getting rescued from the Nexus and coming back right, and, and yeah. doing all this other stuff. So that's his idea. So who knows whether they'll find it. I, I kind of suspect that they won't try to do that for the, the movies, the Abrams movies, but mm -hmm. maybe Bill is is now pushing for something to happen with the, the new TV series. Oh, now that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, yeah, um, you know, the, the Abrams movies, um, they are not going to, well, who knows what they're going to do. They're so bizarre, but I really doubt they would make another left turn to say, well, let's, mm -hmm. let's move to the Bill universe now. And, uh, you know, that, that's going to be our timeline. You know, I don't think that's going to happen, but, um, Wow, that's it. The, the only thing I could think of when, when I saw the headline, which I did see a couple places about he wants to return or he may return or whatever. Mm -hmm. The only good thing I could think about that was um, if he was to be actually playing Kirk again as a substantial role, like he says, mm -hmm. not a cameo, mm -hmm. he would lose a lot of weight. Because mm. he's always said, you know, he tried to keep himself 
you know, in, in fighting condition, you know, for playing Kirk. Mm-hmm. And although, you know, he, he did gain weight over the, the course of the, the, uh, the later movies, he could still, you know, do all this stuff and he doesn't look gross or anything. So um, I'm just thinking, well, it would be interesting to see to see that happen. So. It would be. It, that, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I wonder if he would do it, you know, to, to sort of get up to, um, uh, I was going to say fighting weight, but, you know, just sort of get into better condition mm-hmm. to, to be Kirk. Because I, I think that there's a certain amount of um, dynamism in Kirk that mm-hmm. he, he would feel that he'd have to be physically prepared for. Yes. You know, as opposed yes. to a lot of the other roles that he's taken recently well you know the dj thing what was he doing he was sitting there right? yeah like he yeah. wasn't getting up and moving around very much but if he was kirk he couldn't play kirk just sitting behind a desk mm-hmm. right i mean that's not who kirk is right yeah mm. so um well we'll see i hadn't thought about maybe the the uh the tv series so yeah, that's kind right? of interesting could happen well speaking of the tv series you wanted to talk a little about brian fuller who's been announced as the showrunner yes just this this week he brian fuller was announced and i found an article says he is the perfect choice to do this um let's see he has been the showrunner on a bunch of shows i never watched but i heard mm-hmm. were very good uh wonderfalls dead like me pushing daisies and hannibal i have a mm-hmm. lot of friends who really thought hannibal was outstanding mm-hmm. um it also says that he got his start thanks to the open door policy of star trek producer michael pillar pillar had a standing rule that he would read any script amateur or professional and he used it to find unknown talent many of the young writers he hired went on to major television careers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuller worked on uh, Deep Space Nine and Voyager and wrote most of the fan-favorite episodes of Voyager, such as the mind-control thriller Workforce and the affectionate pulp satire Bride of Chaotica. Now, I didn't watch, you know, uh, Voyager, so I don't know. But apparently he was very involved in Deep Space Nine, which I know you were a fan of. Yeah, he wrote some good episodes for that. I think he wrote more Voyager episodes than Deep Space Nine episodes, but mm-hmm. he, he's clearly like a fan who knows his stuff, which is awesome. You know? Yes. And uh, has reverence for original TOS and knows the, the franchises and is not somebody that they pulled out of the movie verse to do this, which I think everybody was really afraid of. Uh, yes. Well, they also say he has shown a surprising capacity for drama, comedy, and an ability to mix the two together. Yay. Elements found in some of Star Trek's defining episodes. Oh, hooray. Well, yes. that would be terrific if that actually happens. Um, you know, so they just go on... Uh, you know, about that, that he is a great choice. And he, in some other things I read, he loves, you know, he loved TOS. And he, he even said he wanted to get back to the spirit of that. He said, and he wasn't specifically talking about the Abrams universe. I think he was going further back into like the later TV series and everything saying over the years, he felt it had gotten cold, mm-hmm. which yeah. is kind of an interesting comment. So we shall see. Yeah, that'll be good. Well, hopefully uh, they'll continue to populate the the crew and the cast with more people like him. It, it feels good that he's the guy in charge because I think he'll make sure that the people that they hire are folks who have the same point of view about Star Trek as he does. Yeah. Yeah. So we cool. shall well, see. 
Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a little break. Okay. Um, and then we have loads, loads more stuff coming up, including some very funny titles for porn books, which I know everybody's looking forward to. Because <laughs> it's almost Valentine's Day. Because so. it is. That's true. I had <laughs> thought about that. Good point. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in a few. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we love to hear from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com and leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And please visit us at the Look at His Butt Facebook page. Okay, we're back for part two of our fabulous show. <laughs> um, this, I didn't realize until just this minute, because I first ran across it a couple weeks ago, that this is actually a little video. So obviously we're mm -hmm. not going to play it for you, but we're going to describe it and recommend that you all go watch it because it's very short. Yes. Um, it's about Galaxy Quest, which as we know is being sort of, uh, it's in development to yes. be a TV show. And um, the idea at the end of Galaxy Quest is they get a new TV series and, you know, they come back and they do more TV series adventures. But this fan made a video, it's very short, explaining her idea that, um, let me see if that comes up. Oh, no. Nope. 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 Don't. Okay. Okay. Um, what she's saying is the new show that they do is not... A, a, like a, a, a scripted TV show, it is a reality show mm -hmm. because now they know this is real and they have a starship. <laughs> and so <laughs> the new show that they show us, a, you know, the opening credits for at the end is really them actually going out into space with the Thermians and meeting other people and having adventures because the government it's you know they're they're the government makes them do this or gets them to do this because they want to get their hands on uh beryllium spheres mm -hmm. so i thought this was a great explanation i thought so too <laughs> and and if you think about it it actually does make sense yes that they suddenly um Yes, rather than rebooting the series, they became involved in a reality show that everybody benefits from. And mm -hmm. the, the little video goes through why it's a win-win situation for everybody, you know? The yes. government gets the beryllium spheres, the Thermians get to, to have their friends and, mm -hmm. and be protected, the crew gets to go out into space, and everybody gets to watch their adventures on TV. Yeah. Yeah, because now that we know it's real, and they're, the Thermians are real. Mm-hmm. And um, Ceres was real, <laughs> um, and beryllium is out there, and it can power starships. Yeah, I, I yeah. think it's a it's a great theory. Um, I I hopped over to IMDb to see if there was any new information about the Galaxy Quest series, and there is nothing listed, which is very frustrating. Yes, it's like do stuff, please do yes. stuff. 
Well, um, I'm just going to do a quick segue to this other topic I have. I found an article that listed a ton of shit. Oh, my God. This is like the longest scroll that I ever went through. There are I so know. many things here. It is th- books, uh, comic books um, of science fiction and fantasy that are in various stages of being developed for TV or movies. And it's a huge list. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is it's not just – you know, the fanboy stuff, it's really digging into some of the classics. Mm-hmm. And I made a brief list of the ones that I am personally excited for, mostly because I read and liked these books. Mm-hmm. But um, Foundation, mm-hmm. Asimov's classic series, um, Gateway, we talked about that a few months ago mm-hmm. um, by Frederick Pohl, American Gods, which, of course, is my favorite book ever. And uh, just about anything Neil Gaiman has ever written is now in development. I can't believe it. His name shows up here like five times. I know. It's I crazy. know. Um, Eleven twenty two sixty three starts airing next week mm-hmm. on Hulu, the Stephen King book. The City and the City, I hope they do, because I started it and was really interested in it and then somehow lost my copy and never got back to it. So I'd like to know what goes on. Um, the Silver Chair, which is in many ways, my favorite of the Narnia books, Mm -hmm. Red Shirts, which we loved, Uh and also um, John Scalzi's other book, Lock-In, which was very good, Mm -hmm. Uh, Brave New World, Mm -hmm. Good Omens, again, it's uh, Neil Neil, uh, Gaiman and uh, Terry Pratchett, very, very funny book, and The Lies of Locke Lamora. Do you remember I talked about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the first two books in that series were so much fun. The third one, bleh. <laughs> you know, I couldn't even finish it. But um, wonderful, entertaining characters. So, you know, all this stuff coming up. Uh, there is so much. Uh, there's some more stuff by um, George R. R. Martin that's yep. not Game of Thrones. Um, the uh, Mars series by... Um, Kim Stanley. Uh, Kim Robinson. Stanley, thank you. I totally blanked on Kim his name. Stanley Kim Stanley Robinson. Kim Stanley's an actress. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that. There's some other Stephen King stuff happening. Um, there's novels. Oh, yeah, The by, Stand. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, some newer novels um, by uh, more, um, I would say, young science fiction mm-hmm. novelists, like people who aren't uh, part of the old guard, shall we say. Um, they're doing, they're supposed to be doing another Watchmen thing, which is crazy. And also why the last man, which was a, um, graphic novel series that I really hated, but I'm, I'm curious to see how it comes out when they do it for, uh, FX, it looks like. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. It, it really is. Um, our friend Mike Sterling was tweeting, uh, I think just today. And he was saying, how did it go from, there are no comic book or science fiction things on TV to, um, wow, that Captain Cold character is amazing. I mean, he, he was like a C-list character in the DC <laughs> universe, and now he's in Legends of Tomorrow, and he's amazing. The guy playing him is so funny, and he's turned into this guy where you actually want to see him in his own series. Mm-hmm. Like, that happened in what, like three years or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, so and weird. it's like every new thing that comes on TV now has some sort of sci-fi or fantasy yeah. element to it, you know, so we're, we're sort of in a second, maybe golden age of that. I, it feels like it. There is too much stuff on TV for me to watch it. Like I'm now me having too. to be really selective about the comic book or science fiction or fantasy stuff that I watch because there isn't enough time to watch everything. Right. And that brings me to um, sci-fi's The Magicians, mm-hmm. which as you know, I love those books. Yeah. 
and I've been watching it, and uh, the author of the books, Lev Grossman, has said, you know, he's perfectly okay with the changes they've made. And I understand telling a story on TV is, you know, in a visual medium is different. And so there are going to be changes. But um, I'm seeing less and less and less of the book and its ideas. And I really am curious, and I'm serious now, listeners, if you are watching this show, I want you to to write to us, look at his butt at gmail.com, tell us what you think of it. Also tell us if you read the books or not, and if you have, do you feel that's coloring your perception? Because um, as, as Lena just said, there is so much, and I'm watching it now at this point to see if they are ever going to get to the stuff I really liked. <laughs> because it's just it is bizarre the way this is going huh. and what, to, what you, well what did they change that is so different okay, from the books the is book, it like the directions or the characters or what both um pretty much everybody is is much more unlikable than they were in the book <laughs> um but also book one was all about this one character quentin uh-huh. and um him going to this you know, graduate school for magic. So it's it's not Hogwarts. It's, you know, more mature than that. And he makes these friends, and then he is able to get to this land that's like Narnia that he had read all the books of. That, you know, that turns out to be real, and various things happen, okay? That's like book one. So I'm not really doing any spoilers. I think you would find this out in the first paragraph of any review. Mm-hmm. Book two follows another friend of his, Julia, who he was friends with at the beginning of book one, lost contact with because she did not get into the magic school. Mm -hmm. And so she has, in the real world, been pursuing magic on her own, makes some friends, and they are what they call hedge witches. You know, they're not formally trained, but their magic is very different. And then the two of them come together, and book two is just amazing. Well, it's like you can't take a character and introduce her in the first episode, and then we don't see her again for a season or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're telling the story simultaneously, but it's it's completely different. Uh, what's what's going on with the, the two characters and the things they're experiencing than than what's in the book? Hmm. And I'm going. It's it's almost turning into like. Um, well, the, the college part is it's turning into a story about a bunch of annoying graduate students getting into trouble and um, and then staying in touch with this, this friend from back home who's getting into a, an entirely different kind of trouble, and it's completely out of their hands. Everything has, you know, gotten out of control. So hmm. it, it's almost a story that doesn't need magic at that point. Well, that's weird. I wonder yeah. why they decided to tone down the magic part of it. I don't know, because to me, you know, it was, well, okay, this is all interesting. Let's get to the to Fillory, which is the Narnia-like country. And that is the central um, the central thing of the book is is Quentin insisting this has to be real and investigating it and everything. And he's off on all these different tracks of these other people. It's like, I don't know. So, um, yeah, I really want to hear from somebody else who's watching this. <laughs> to make sure it's not just you. Yeah, well, or to to have somebody say, yeah, but look at this good stuff they've done and everything and make me feel better about spending an hour a week this way. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, I don't care yeah. if you agree with me or not. I just want to know what someone thinks. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, cool. Well, I, I will. I would like to know, even though I'm not watching it. I would like to know. Yeah. I, that, it's weird how they make those decisions, right? You know, mm-hmm. like is it is it based on, um, you know, audience demographic surveys, or is it just that the writers are like, I've got this idea and I'm going to yeah. pursue it, and you can never quite tell where things are coming from. Yeah, it's it's. It's kind of weird, but anyway, so I got that out of my system. <laughs> so let's go to the thing you have just been oh, dying to talk about. I am. I want to complain about something. Okay. okay. So there's a, a, a story at the, at the website called Ars Technica, which is, is quite good, and it's by um, Annalie Newitz, and she's a good writer. I like her generally. I pretty much respect what she has to say. And so this article is called The Martian, Sherlock Holmes, and Why We Love Competence Porn. And this thing about calling it competence porn, you know, is is like a a phrase that people use about particular types of fiction that they like by calling it something porn. Yes. Like I don't really like that. I don't think yeah. that's a very good way of yeah. talking about it. But whatever. That's how that's the headline that they chose to go with. And what she's saying here is that one of the reasons that The Martian is so popular is the same reason that something like Sherlock Holmes is so popular is because we have a fascination with watching characters be really smart and figure things out to complicated problems. I Um, agree with that. I love that. Yeah. You know, that's that's Sherlock Holmes character. That's MacGyver, right? Mm -hmm. That's what MacGyver does. And that's what happens in The Martian. And everybody says it's not about watching him, you know, be a hero by fighting monsters. It's watching Mark Watney figure out how to grow potatoes on Mars, mm-hmm. which is true. I mean, that's it the is. best part about the book, too. It, 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 it is. It like absolutely is. science stuff. So it's really cool. So uh, I agree with all that. But then the part where I don't agree <laughs> is where she starts going, um, let's talk about this in relation to Star Trek. And she sets it up, and I think this is where it goes wrong, is Kirk versus Picard. Yep. So she's setting it up as Kirk is the impulsive not very smart um and she uses this word which really bothers me talking about kirk as not competent versus picard as the intellectual considering all things you know really kind of competent guy and i think that's just wrong like when we were just not even getting into it i said i have a problem with her definition of competence yeah yeah so i'll just read this little paragraph here she says there are a ton of almost competent heroes who fall short of the mark the case of kirk versus picard is a perfect example kirk is a great hero and an inspiring leader i agree with that yes he saves hundreds of lives makes tough decisions and displays incredible bravery but he's not a thinker he has a crew for that, namely Bones and Spock, but also pretty much every not-Kirk person on the bridge. When Kirk needs to fight the bad guys, he relies on his team to help him strategize. You'll never catch Sherlock or Bond setting reason aside the way Kirk does pretty much every episode of the original series. J.J. Abrams plays this up even more in his Star Trek reboot, where Kirk is basically an emotionally out-of-control brawler to Spock's coolly competent heroes. Okay, I agree with that part. Yeah, with the last sentence. With the yeah. last sentence of that, but... I don't think that that's true at all. I, I Yes, Kirk has everybody on the bridge to help him make decisions, but it's not because he's too stupid to strategize on his own. Well, and it's also not comparing apples to apples because the, the you know, Mark Watney all alone on Mars, not mm-hmm. leading a team of people. So he can follow all his own impulses. And so her idea of competence is all of his impulses turn out to be correct. So you're, he's the smartest guy in the room when there's nobody else in the room. 
mm-hmm. and it's the right room. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver, same thing, solo. Sherlock Holmes, he basically has Watson around to bounce ideas off of and send yeah. running on errands. But Sherlock Holmes is the one doing this. And so her thing of competence is someone who knows absolutely the right thing to do in every situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kirk, Picard, all of them are in a situation where they are the leader of a team. And it's an entirely different set of skills. And plus, if you want to just put it in her world of this single person against insurmountable odds, Gorn Fight Club. Yeah, totally. There are many situations. That's the Martian. Yeah. He's not growing potatoes. He's figuring out how to make a (laughs) cannon. There are many situations where Kirk becomes isolated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the things that they did on the series was to take him off the Enterprise and put him in a situation where he had to, to live by his wits and work things yes. out. And he did because Kirk is a completely competent hero. And when he makes decisions, like let's take a balance of terror, mm-hmm. you know, he wins that because he's he's not doing what everybody's telling him to do. He's strategizing. He's playing poker. He's thinking his way through a situation and counting on his intuitive understanding of what is Mm going to happen in that situation. And he's taking in all this information from Spock and McCoy and everybody else who's feeding him information on what's going on, what they think might be the thing to do. But he's the one who has to take this all in and process it and go, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's it, it, you would say he's a competent leader. And her idea of competence it, as this overall thing almost makes it sound like the hero in competence porn is someone who's really good at whatever is required in whatever situation there is. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it reminds me of the Nancy Drew books <laughs> because they'd started a Nancy Drew book out and, um, Nancy would have just started taking violin lessons. And by the end of the book, Catching the Crook relies on Nancy having to play this incredible solo with the New York Philharmonic, and she does it. Mm-hmm. That, that's competence porn, teenage yeah. girl competence porn. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another thing along those lines that I want to disagree with in this article where in the next section she's talking about edge cases. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, other characters in recent series hover right on the edge of becoming competence porn stars, but they lack something essential. And she gives the example of House, who's an expert in one thing, but when he goes outside his area of competence, he's a giant mess. He has no social skills. And then she gives a couple other examples, too. Um And then she says, remember, competence porn stars have to be social engineers. They can't rely on other people to translate the geek talk into human talk for them. Um, Heroic and smart, yes. That's what some of these other people are, but competent, no. And I would say, you know what? Kirk does all those things. Yeah. He's totally competent in many different areas. He's not just competent in, like... I would say Spock actually is that Mm -hmm. definition. He's really, really good in his little narrow area. But once he gets outside of that, he's kind of floundering. And we saw that very clearly in Galileo 7. Yes. Right? Where he was put into a situation that he was not qualified to do, which was to lead a group of people because Spock didn't know how to do that. And I love that over time they showed that he learned and grew and became that competent person. And that's why he got to become a captain. 
Yes, and also in that description, she disqualifies Sherlock. I don't think she realizes it. Yeah. But he, one of the things he has Watson around is for Watson to translate to Sherlock what's going on with people socially. Yeah. Because you know, he because he doesn't know. Sherlock's going, well, the logical thing to do would be this. But yes, Sherlock, but people are not logical. And that is why Lady So-and-so is, you know, running down the street painted purple or whatever. <laughs> you know, because he, he, he lives in the world of, of, of certain facts and certainties and what can be drawn from that. But when it comes to understanding people or being socially competent, mm-hmm. fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. So I... I I think that Kirk is the, if, if we're going to use her terminology and say he's a competent porn star, I think he's one of the best examples of a competent porn star. Right. He and really, I think really she's, she's using some uh, unfortunate examples to draw the difference between that we, we are admiring and enjoying these very smart heroes who work things out versus heroes in the past who merely punched or shot their way out of situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Kirk does both those things. Yes. <laughs> when yes. he has to. When he has to, yes. Because he knows when you got to do one thing and when you got to do another thing. But, you know, Picard was not above punching people out when he yes. had to. He did that too. Yes, yes. <sighs> anyway, so that bugged me. But here's the thing that I just want to add on to. Um, so I, I originally picked this article up from a, a forum I was reading, and the people there are quite funny. And what they were saying, and I kind of get this, um, see if you agree that this idea of Kirk being incompetent to a certain extent and having to have Spock be his smarter guy Mm -hmm. is totally part of Fanon right oh absolutely yeah right so that's Fanon Kirk is the guy who can't function without Spock and Spock is there to to be smart for him because Kirk isn't actually smart enough himself to do these things well and that's a theme that is very or was very prominent in KS yeah um to the point where um Kirk frequently not in you know like the same story but in many stories said things like I know Spock's a better person than I am yeah, yeah, which is horrible. Yeah. Um, compared to Canon, where we found out that Kirk was in the top 5% of his class, right? Mm-hmm. Youngest starship captain. He was one of the youngest cadets ever to go to Starfleet. And oh, by the way, he can beat Spock at chess. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, there's that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and someone said that they they wanted to write a story, and I'm going to read this because I think it's an awesome premise for a story, and maybe this person will write it and we can read it. Okay. Um, she said, uh, I've been wishing I had the chops to write a fic where Kirk is this amazing and revolutionary human detective on Vulcan who's in touch enough with his emotions and intuition to solve crimes the police can't, and Spock is the guy who follows him around and translates his weird human eccentricity oh. to a rapt but eminently logical audience for their edification. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be so cool. Imagine Kirk as a detective on Vulcan. I would love that. <laughs> that would be great. And Spock just follows him around. <laughs> like Watson. Like Watson. Wow. Like, ap- apologizing for him. You know? Yes, yes. You have to forgive him. He's, he's human. He's human. You know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So yeah. anyway, I just love that idea. And maybe we'll see that, that fic 
be written, not by me, but by somebody else. But that would be brilliant. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's an interesting article. I would really enjoy hearing what other people have to say about it um, because I I feel pretty strongly, but um, there are many other characters who are discussed in this piece. And Mm -hmm. I agree with some of the choices, but I, I don't agree with some of the other choices. Um, in here, and you know, there's there's a case to be made about uh, Doctor Who being one of those people, you know, mm-hmm. that he's very competent. But you know, there's the thing about him needing his companions, right? Yeah. Because without him, he's kind of a loose cannon, and he doesn't function very well on his own. Well, yeah, that's true, and it's kind of disturbing that if you if you need another person. Even if you just like emotionally need them for their friendship and companionship, that makes you less competent. Yeah, that's that doesn't. Yeah, make any sense no, but I like the idea that that um, they have found ways to make these characters who are very talky characters usually mm-hmm. um, into TV and movie heroes mm-hmm. without them having to get all bulked out, bulked up and punch somebody and, you know, do chases on moving cars and, and you know, dumb stuff like that, that it is their mind that, mm-hmm. that we, we are all finding so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, I like that. Fun part. Yeah, I remember when I was reading The Martian, that's the part that I thought was really mm-hmm. amazing. And um, I, I might have mentioned that I when I read The Three-Body Problem, which was a, a a great book from last year. I, that's the parts that I really enjoyed about that too. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of cool socio-historical stuff, but some of the actual problem solving that was really technical was very, very interesting. It was very uh-huh. well, well, you know, um, I haven't, again, I don't know. I'm not running into the people who want to talk about the things I want to talk about, except you, of course, but I went and saw the hateful eight. Oh yeah, and I really liked it. Cool, but I I know, and I was aware of this as I was watching it. What I was liking so much about it are these incredibly carefully drawn characters who talk. Mm-hmm. The whole and it's a it's a two act movie. It's got an intermission, but the whole first act, except for a few little bits, Jack, um, is is dialogue. And Tarantino writes such incredible dialogue. And to see these actors who are good at handling words and long speeches, and they're, they're, they're not info dumps. They are mm-hmm. revelations about the characters and about the situations. I was just like in hog heaven. Wow. So was it like Quentin Tarantino's My Dinner with Andre? No. <laughs> And then, of course, all of a sudden, there's like this total explosion of violence that it's been building up to, and that the the dialogue, you know, builds that tension. It's it's really really good. I just I loved it. Cool. But um, yeah, it has nothing to do with my dinner with Andre, which was just a lot of boring crap. I'm sorry. But, there's nothing I can do about the podcasting dog. Oh, that's okay. But the action figures for my dinner with Andre. <laughs> yes. Now that's different. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's move to our last area here, and and this is going to be some sex talk because we haven't had that for a while. So we have two little bits here. One. This is a great article. Um, did you just find this on wandering around the internet? More or less. Yes. 
uh, and it's called 12 Fantastically Weird Romance Novels to Stir Your Passion. Oh, I guess it's a Valentine's Day thing, huh? Yes. Ah, okay. Uh, this is 12 Fantastically Weird Romance Novels to Stir Your Passions. Mm-hmm. And reading that, I'm, I just said, I went, okay, what could this possibly be? Well, it did turn out to be weirder than I could ever <laughs> have imagined. And it's got the, the uh, covers. And uh, one is called We're Hipsters, <laughs> like We're Wolves. And it says, uh-huh. they were shifters before it was cool. <laughs> and it's part of the Surreal Sisters Dahlia book one. Wow. And it's by a paranormal romance author. Yeah. Then there's... Emily's Magical Bejeweled Codpiece. <laughs> I like that it's magical and bejeweled. Yes, and it glows. It does glow. Uh, it's, a, it's good. I like also that the guy who's wearing the codpiece is wearing glasses, too. He I looks, was just going to say, yeah. He's a little nerdy. That's okay, good. The Very Virile Viking. <laughs> I love that title, and I love this dude on the front. He looks a little like Chris Hemsworth. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's so, a USA Today bestseller. It well, says so. Right on the front. Right on the front. Forgive my fins. <laughs> Apparently, probably a mermaid. Probably, I would say probably. Yeah. Yes. Um, one sexy daddy, and oh, that see, is disturbing. That's very, very disturbing. I don't like that at yeah, all. I scroll past that. We're going to skip quickly. that one. Uh, Unicorn Vengeance <laughs> by Claire Delacroix. I noticed that this is a Harlequin romance. Well, it, and Harlequin now, because when I was thinking about maybe trying to adapt some of my stories to other things and get them published, they have a whole division for um, science fiction and fantasy romance. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And this is the stirring conclusion for the uni- to the Unicorn Trilogy. Of course it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my Taboo Bike. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Um, the Bull Rider's Christmas Baby. <laughs> That's a Harlequin. You know, it's it's under the uh, American Romance uh, Division, and it's. Do you get the feeling that this is vaguely religious as well? It kind of oh, looks probably. Like, you know, there's like they're in church or something. There's candles. Oh, like I'm thinking really... that's Christmas. Is it? Okay. Maybe. Okay. Now know. we're getting into the really. Okay, you need therapy area. Taken by a pterodactyl. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. That's 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 going to be um <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's next movie. How to catch crabs. <laughs> okay. This is my favorite one. Uh-huh. My favorite one. Abraham Lincoln, fuck lord of the moon. <laughs> I love this illustration on the cover. Oh also, yeah, yeah. W- with this guy, and he's got um, he's dressed like Lincoln, and he's got all these hot women hanging off of him, and he's on the moon also. Again, he's on the moon. Yeah, that that's, that's one that I'd want to read at least the opening paragraph. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, it'd be something. Like, Abraham Lincoln, fuck Lord of the Moon, was <laughs> bored. Um, okay, and then it says absolutely anything by Chuck. Tingle. Oh my God, Chuck Tingle. So, do you know about Chuck Tingle? No, but I gather you do. Let me just read some of these titles and then you can inform <laughs> uh-huh. us. There's They're Gay T Rex Law Firm Executive Boner. Mm-hmm. And all the, the things in this law firm are T Rexes. My billionaire Triceratops craves gay ass. <laughs> Pounded by President Bigfoot. <laughs> taken by the gay unicorn biker. This one I love. Space Raptor. 
butt invasion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my ass is haunted by the gay unicorn (laughs) colonel. Okay, so tell us about Chuck Tingle. Well, Chuck Tingle is obviously a pseudonym. um, And I don't know who this guy is or whether it's more than one person. But he writes these... um, gay porn novels they're Mm -hmm. stories and they're quite short and self-publishes them and they have amazingly good cover art right like I don't know where he gets these or licenses Uh the images from but they all have these incredibly ridiculous titles and they they just get crazier and crazier the the more they go on so I'm going to read some of them um here's his biography on on Amazon. Okay. Uh, Dr. Dr. Chuck Tingle is an erotic author and Taekwondo grandmaster, almost black belt, from Billings, Montana. (laughs) After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage, Chuck found himself fascinated by all things sensual, leading to his creation of The Tingler, a story so blissfully erotic that it cannot be experienced without eliciting a sharp tingle down the spine. Chuck's hobbies include backpacking, checkers, and sport. Okay. So he he just turns these out like once a week or so, and they're quite short. Um, the books are like, they're not books. They're like 2,500 words long, and, and they're just um, straight-up gay porn, but they're always really funny. And it's like he takes words and... Uh, puts them into a blender to come up with these titles. Uh, so Leonardo DiCaprio finally wins his award and it pounds him in the butt. That's right. So that's the, a the, title. <laughs> that's a title. The phrase pounded in the butt is something that comes up again and again in these titles. So Do you think he is um, Andrew Troy Keller's older brother? He could be, except he's got a sense of humor. Okay. And also his porn is fun and funny and not like, you know, evil uh-huh. and, and gross. So it's like um, Pharma Bro Pounded in the Butt by T-Rex comedian Bill Murky and a clan of Triceratop rappers trying to, to get their album back. <laughs> so he's like pulling things directly from the headlines. Yeah. Um, Dinosaur magicians Pin and Tucker make their wieners disappear in my butt. <laughs> Eight Bigfoot buckaroos hate my butt and pound it. Slammed in the butthole by my concept of linear time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then this one is sort of an Inception title. It's called um, Pounded in the Butt by my book. Pounded in the butt by my book. Pounded in the butt by my book. Pounded in the butt by my own butt. Okay, did you know about this guy before I found him on this list? Yes, I did. Oh, my God. And you haven't been telling me about it. I'm sorry. It was an (laughs) oversight on my part. And this is the best one. Turned gay by the existential dread that I may actually be a character in a Chuck Tingle book. It's just so awesome. And they're, you know, they're like $3. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get them for free. Oh, my God. And it just goes on and on and on. And he's got a website and he's on Twitter. And it's just so funny. I love it that, you know, somebody is taking, just taking this viewpoint where you can churn this stuff out and be hilarious and pull stuff from the headlines. And I don't know. It's just great. I love it. Wow. I love you, Chuck Dingle. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, yeah, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Or... (laughs)
as our friend Jim Winter calls it, Singles Awareness Day. Ah, uh, that's great. Yes, yes. That's very funny. Well, I think with Chuck Tingle, that sort of wraps up this edition. Yeah, of the I can't show. think of anywhere else we're going to go right no, now. No, 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 that's great. <laughs> that doesn't involve dinosaurs and being pounded in the butt. Being so. pounded in the butt. <laughs> that's yep. a whole different podcast. <laughs> Um, so we hope you've enjoyed all of this. Um, please, you know, give us feedback on the things that we discussed because, of course, we would love to hear from you and your opinions on things. And if anybody um, has a particular Chuck Tingle book that they really like, let us know what it is. Yes, you know, yes. We'd like to know. It, it won't go anywhere, you know. We'll, we'll keep, limit it to us and, and our listeners. Yeah. Um, but especially, yeah, if you're watching The Magicians or read the book, I would love to, to have a chat with you about it. It doesn't have to be on the show. We can just email back and forth if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, I, I really, really want that. So, Yeah, and if you are going to Silicon Valley Comic Con, please let us know so that yes. we can make a plan to meet up. Put you on the guest list. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome. It'll be so much fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So until the next show, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We love you so much. You're the best. And uh, we'll be back soon with another episode of Look at His Bud. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness. Chuck Tingle. I love it. Mm-hmm.